0: Welcome to Talent Hub Talk. I am Ben Duncan, and this is a place where prominent and inspirational figures from both the local ANZ and global Salesforce Ohana share their stories. In today's episode, I'm excited to be joined by Christopher Hickman and Tiffany Devlin-Dry to discuss the power of being and having a mentor in the Salesforce ecosystem. Chris and Tiffany are both working as solution architects and have deep expertise in CPQ. Through the episode, we discuss how they first came in contact, what made Tiffany stand out to Chris as someone he wanted to invest time and energy in helping on her career journey, as well as what Chris's time and guidance meant to Tiffany at the time. We look at how Tiffany has been able to grow her career and understand her own value in the market with Chris's help and insight, and explore how Tiffany has gone on to mentor other people on their own Salesforce journeys. Finally, we ask Chris and Tiffany some advice for anyone that may be looking to specialize in the CPQ space, an area that they both know well. I hope that you enjoy the episode. Tiffany, Chris, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. My pleasure. It's really, really exciting to have you both on the show. And uh, yeah, excited to unpick your, uh, your relationship and your, your journeys through the world of Salesforce and understand a bit more about kind of how you have come to collaborate over the last couple of years. So, um, I guess for, for the benefit of listeners, um, could you tell me just a little bit about yourselves, but also how you came to know each other?
1: Okay, so my name is Tiffany Devlin-Dry, and I am a CPQ architect. And the way that I became a CPQ architect was um, I found the Discord channel. It's Salesforce Discord Exchange, and there's a CPQ channel in there. And I, in my desperation to handle my first CPQ project, was posting there a lot. And um, Chris was my savior (laughs) several times, so that's, that's how we met.
0: And Chris, just to set the scene with your background, so obviously you were in that CPQ channel yourself, Um, what kind of led you into being involved in giving feedback and, and help with CPQ?
2: Yeah, so it's just a natural extension, I guess, of what I've been doing for a while. So my background obviously is a little different than Tiffany's. I've been involved in the CPQ space since 2013. When I was with Big Machines, I went to Steelbrick shortly after that. Um, and was really early on in the process. There was only 18 employees when I joined Steelbrick over the course of the two year time frame when uh, the company was bought and then it was sold to Salesforce. It scaled up to 150, as well as adding multiple channel partners delivering Steelbrick projects. So as kind of one of the early adopters, I spent a lot of time in the early days helping new employees that were getting hired, whether it was to configure the product or scope projects. And I was helping partners as well. Um, I was a big Chatter fan. I was out in Chatter all the time. I was at Steelbrick, but I was also out on LinkedIn and Twitter, promoting the brand, promoting the company. And even at some events as well, I went to a couple of Dreamforces. And so when I left Steelbrick right before they were acquired, uh, unbeknownst to me that that was happening, I just continued that. I moved down into the third-party consulting space. But, you know, we're all, we're all pulling in the same direction. We're all trying to get customers successful on the product. And so I've just always, through a variety of channels, really tried to help anybody that was, that was trying to learn. And that eventually led me to the same Salesforce Discord exchange. And I think the thing that really intrigued me about Tiffany was not only that she was asking questions, as a lot of people do, but she was just as quickly turning around and helping others with the knowledge she was gaining not just from me, but from her own learnings from actually delivering projects. So, you know, she was really demonstrating the the seeds of an architect's mindset at a time when, I mean, I think you had just graduated from your bachelor's degree and had been thrown on a CPQ project and were kind of just trying to stay above water, but you were getting acclimated really quickly My goal, I guess, in connecting with her more frequently, more deeply was I I, there's something there like uh, she could go. She could accelerate her career very quickly by avoiding some of the mistakes that I made over over time.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that must have been awesome for you, Tiffany. So what was that like, I guess, if you are starting out your career and you would have seen, um, you know, Chris's profile, his background. And for someone like that to take an interest, but also just be there to help and be a sounding board for you.
1: Yeah, it was great. And, you know, I've told Chris this many times, but he is the reason that I have a career in CPQ today. CPQ is one of the areas of Salesforce that does not have really, really in depth and um, cohesive documentation. So a lot of it is just learned through trial and error or through asking questions. And having Chris there to be a reliable source of information on the subject of CPQ was game changing. I absolutely would not have been successful without his help, for sure.
0: So it started off, I think, obviously, Chris, coming back to some of your questions and obviously offering advice, and it has progressed into like more of a mentoring relationship and coming out of Discord into like one-on-one coaching, advising and, and kind of mentorship. How did that switch happen?
2: Very naturally and gradually, you know, I've done a lot of coaching even before my time in Salesforce, and that doesn't necessarily mean I'm the expert at everything. Like a lot of times people I'm, I've am i been coaching, I'm a step ahead or half a step ahead of, right? So obviously I'm a few years ahead of Tiffany, but she has quickly closed the gap. But a lot of what I have talked about with her and others... I learned that from people like Gilles Mies, who, who's at Simplest, right, uh, who's kind of the godfather of steel brick solution architecture, as well as Max Rudman, who was the creator of the brick product. And I still am in contact with Max at Prodly on a reasonably frequent basis, right? So, you know, these connections have lasted a long time continue to last. And, you know, those people are still out there and, and we're all trying to help each other, like I said before. So Tiffany and I grew. Our relationship was the same way my relationship grew with those people, which is an architect's mindset, I think you start with a problem and then you, you continue to peel back layers of the onion to find what the real problem is, right? Like the, the first problem you see is typically not the actual problem. It's just some manifestation of it. And so In Tiffany's case, right, it it would be, how do I build this? Then it's, why do I build this? Then why don't I do it this way? And then how do I convince them this is the right way? And then it's like, am I in the right place? Like, what's the next step in my career, right? Like, that's the path that pretty much every architect goes through as they get better with a a technology or an industry vertical or whatever the case may be.
0: There's so many people out there, right, that would value some feedback, some coaching, some advice from a senior person. But I also feel like it's really important that you value each other's time and you know, you're making sure that there's value on both sides because it can't just be one way, right? It can't just be one person expected to to give feedback and coaching and advice and then not, not get anything out of the relationship that's helping them as well. So how did you structure that and make sure that you're coming to these get-togethers? Like, How frequently were they and that you were getting something out of it each time?
1: So I was very, very aware that Chris was a busy person with his own job and own things to do and other people to talk to. If I had a question that was CPQ-focused, I would never direct message him. (laughs) I always put it in in the CPQ channel, and that was two, two reasons. One was because I didn't want Chris to feel pressured or burdened or obligated to help me. The other reason was more because I wanted to start contributing to a knowledge base so that if a new person could come in, join the Discord, go into the CPQ channel and search their question and have a whole conversation that me and Chris are having in public channels and they can just follow along so that if they had a follow-up question, they had all this background on how the system works, what fields are available, what settings are available, what my use case was, which might match their use case, just to you know, start building more of a, a central knowledge base for CPQ for, for future people. So that, that was one thing. I, I think it really just came down to, I was taking from Chris what he was openly offering and I never asked for anything specifically. You know, pe- people really like to help. And it, that's especially true, I think, in the Salesforce ecosystem. And, um, you know, it doesn't take a lot of badgering or prodding or anything like that to to get a mentor. It really just comes down to taking what people are willing to provide to you. And then being appreciative. Uh, <laughs> I was very appreciative of Chris's help and Believe me, when I landed that first job under his advisement, (laughs) I got his address and I sent him uh, quite a few things that I, I think he enjoyed, but you know, it's really just being genuinely appreciative and then being willing to to pay that forward because, you know, Chris has mentioned this a couple of times. And I think part of the feeling of fulfillment when you help someone is seeing them turn around and help other people, you know, in, in turn. So, so those were some things that I focused on to make sure that Chris was feeling fulfilled and appreciated and um, that he was getting something out of the relationship as well.
0: Yeah, that's awesome, and it must be great, Chris, when you do see um, Tiffany giving back to someone else. Now, like she said, it's um, it's really important that she's taking what she's learned from you and and multiplying and helping others.
2: Well, exactly. You know, the the Salesforce Discord exchange isn't the only channel that I pay attention to. I, you know, I spent a lot of time out on the Trailblazer community forums as well, and that was a place where it's not really a chat format the way Discord is, and so I did have a lot of people that would reach out to me privately and essentially try to get free consulting help. And I'm not saying it was malicious or anything like that, but they were trying to get technical help and I would always redirect them to post it to the forum, we'll have this discussion in public and and that way it benefits other people, right? And you can still a, a lot of people have come to me over the years and said, "Wow, like, you know, this question that you answered back in 2018, 2017 helped me today." And like that's perfect right there. And actually Discord's less good at at, at that. It's a little harder to find things than than like a chatter type format, but either way, Tiffany, obviously I can see her helping others, you know, and it's, so it's, it's not just me and then there's other people on the discord form other than me that are very helpful with CPQ and a lot of other topics as well, but she's gone above and beyond CPQ as well. I mean, she started up her own user group in her local area and is leading that. And I mean, that's that, that, that didn't come from me. That's all for her. Right. So. Just taking, uh, putting your own spin on on what a Salesforce career looks like and carrying that message out to others and helping them with their careers. Like, you know, that's awesome. That makes it all worthwhile.
0: And, and like you said before, that's really the power of the Salesforce ecosystem, right? There are people out there that are doing this and helping so so many others. And that's one of the the reasons it's such an awesome place to be.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So aside from like mentoring and um, and talking to you about the technicalities of the platform, I think Chris has also helped you to understand your value in the market and and understand, you know, the scarcity, I guess, of people with your skills.
1: Correct. Definitely.
0: <laughs> so you mentioned um, in terms of like helping find you a job. So what, what did that look like in terms of actually giving you that kind of belief, but understanding of why you are in demand and, and maybe more in demand than you knew you were?
1: Yeah. So I'll give a little bit of background about myself. So I graduated with a computer science degree, and my first job in the Salesforce ecosystem was as a software developer. I was developing custom community cloud sites that were fully custom, so no point-and-click. It was all custom Aura components with Apex controllers, so full stack web development on the Salesforce platform. From there, I fell into my first CPQ project, which at first I really did not want to do because I didn't want to point and click. I graduated from college with a computer science degree. I wanted to code. I was really annoyed (laughs) to be on a CPQ project because I didn't want to point and click. I just wanted to be left alone in the corner to code and leave me alone. You know, I know I can talk to clients, but I don't want to talk to clients. I don't want to be a PM, a BA, a project manager. I don't don't want to configure. Don't put me in settings. Like just... I want to code, right? So when I first landed into my CPQ project, you know, again, I was adverse to it. But when I started talking to Chris, he started enlightening me a little bit more about CPQ and what it was and what it means in the ecosystem and that it is known to be very difficult. And when I started getting into it, and again, under his guidance, and I can't stress enough that having him there and the rest of the people that helped me in, in the Discord specifically uh, made it easy, right? So I already came from a development mindset. Um, I could understand code. That was easy to me. So technical issues or technical things are not difficult for me in general. So with that mindset and with their guidance and their help, CPQ seemed very easy to me. About halfway through the project, I learned that CPQ was also very valuable in the ecosystem And someone that could talk to clients and someone that could code and someone that felt like CPQ is easy was a very unique (laughs) skill set that Chris let me know was unique. Like I had no idea. And, you know, again, I wasn't that interested in CPQ at first. But with that in mind, I was able to move forward and go, okay, so I have these unique skills that are all kind of combining into this world of Salesforce. And, you know, it's viewed to be very valuable. So I want to cash in on that. (laughs) You know, it's part cashing in, but it's also part, like, I'm a big believer in that people can find something that they're really into and that they're passionate about. And that also pays a lot of money. You know, there's this narrative out there where if you follow your passion, that you're going to be like a poor artist starving on the side of the street or if you do something for money that you're selling your soul. And I just don't believe that. So I have always in my career been looking for something that my skill set is unique. The problem that is out there, my skill set is in a un- unique position to solve. And so just talking with Chris and and understanding What CPQ was, what CPQ meant in the ecosystem, how valuable that skill set was viewed in the ecosystem on top of being able to consult and actually talk to people and build relationships. And then also code. I just felt like I found that thing that would be highly remunerated and something that would really be interesting to me.
0: Yeah, 100%. But if you didn't have that knowledge, do you think you'd still be doing the same job? Like, would you still be in the first job that you were in?
1: So I wouldn't be in the first job because I'm very hungry and I really am eager to to climb the ladder and always stretch myself. If I get into a position, if I'm comfortable for longer than like three or four months, then it's bad news for me. Like I, I need to find something bigger and better and that really like pushes me to grow. But honestly, I know for sure that I wouldn't have taken the same path. I was very interested in data science towards the end of my college degree. My senior project was a project in AI and predictions, so I probably would have found something more along that path. But I'm glad I didn't because I don't think that Salesforce ecosystem and and that feeling of community really anywhere else. And definitely there's, there's no Chris Hickman in data science or AI. So here we are.
0: It sounds to me like neither of you were ever in the causes people to quit camp with uh, CPQ.
1: No. And Ben, that's the, you are the first person that has ever said that to me. So a little bit of background to our, our previous conversation. We were talking about CPQ and Ben told me that that stands for causes people to quit. Which I could not disagree with more. I mean, I know that CPU can be frustrating to some people, but that makes me really sad. I feel like Chris needs to just clone himself and like mentor everybody <laughs> that want, wants to quit.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, you asked earlier, you know, why Why Tiffany? Why is she a mentee that I chose, so to speak? And, and it was natural, but also I distinctly remember her saying, I love writing quote calculator plugins. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> that's I mean, no matter what your skills are like, if, if that's no one ever says that, right? Like but that's the complete polar opposite of causes people to quit. So she's like and at one point she even said I would just write quote calculator plugins all day. If that was my job, like that would make me happy. And that goes back to, you know, her getting that programmatic skill set from college. But, you know, a shout out also. The debate rages on, right, about Salesforce certifications. Are they valuable? Do you need them? How many of them do you need? And one of the one of the key inflection points, I think, once she got to a certain point was she didn't have any certs or maybe you had your admin. I don't remember, but she got to a point technically where she was more than capable of knocking out some of the others. And so my suggestion to her was go get your PD1, you know, which shows at least a little bit of developer knowledge, she had more than that and get your CPQ cert and like the combination of those three in her particular case would be a like shining beacon to every recruiter in LinkedIn. And sure enough, it was, uh, as I recall, I think you started getting bombarded at that point when you had those three certs plus a couple years experience, you know, and put yourself out there a little bit. It it changed the situation uh, dramatically from that point on.
0: Yeah, for sure. Tiffany, you mentioned if only Chris could clone himself. And obviously, you're not a direct clone, but what he's doing with yourself is kind of spreading his knowledge and helping others on their journey through you as well. But Chris, there are people like you, not necessarily in the CPQ world, but there are other people out there with lots of experience that might not be mentoring. And what would you say to them?
2: I I think they're doing themselves a disservice, first and foremost. Like think of it cynically like that. Certainly being a mentor, helps other people, and it can have an impact on the community as a whole, whatever your community is, right? Like whether it's, a, it's CPQ or it's something else. But through the mentorship process and getting involved in that and answering questions that people have who are coming up behind you, it helps you to be able to explain to your own clients better and your colleagues and maybe even understand problems in a, in a more thorough way. You know, a lot of people have said, you know, if you want to learn something, like figure out how to teach it. And I, and that's something when I, when I pick up a new topic, whether it's within CPQ or, you know, right now I'm spending a lot of time with flow and integrations. You know, I I try to get to a point where I could I could train that right, like I could get a classroom of people who know nothing about the topic, and they would come out of uh, out of it learning something. And so I feel like that allows me to be a better architect, you know, by mentoring others and bringing them up along behind me. And and eventually, you know, like if people surpass me, which in some ways Tiffany already has. I mean, I think that's fantastic. Like that's that's the dream, right? You want. You want the people you help to do even better than you did and do it faster and do it better and, and, and do things you never even imagined, of.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw you shaking your head there, Tiff. But <laughs> I think you'll agree to disagree.
2: Well, I don't, I don't write a lot of code. I mean, I never have. So that's one area right there where she's obviously better than me.
0: And, and this um, we're obviously talking about like, the power of mentorship and mentoring in the ecosystem. But this has now just evolved into a really strong friendship by the looks from the outside.
1: For sure. And I just want to piggyback on what Chris was saying, what he would say to Salesforce professionals who are not mentoring people. You know, Chris set a good example for me, not just how to be a CPQ professional and consultant and on the technical side. But how to conduct myself as a, a Salesforce professional in the ecosystem. So amongst my peers. And Chris mentioned this earlier, but I did start a Salesforce user group. It's out of St. Pete, Florida, just a little plug there. But um, you know, one thing that I did when I started the user group is I just was like, okay, we'll just see who shows up. You know, I put it out on the Salesforce Trailblazer community site and was like, cool, let's see who shows up and who this group is going to be for. And the people that showed up were newcomers. And that was really exciting for me because I started gearing my my meetups towards what would a newcomer want. And in that way, I've been able to continue on that mentorship to them. We've actually had three people in the last year go from completely disrelated careers that actually started their first Salesforce job, you know, and the user group and my mentorship was a part of that for sure. And it's really fulfilling. It's really fulfilling to be able to help your friends and help the community and... And your husband. And my husband, yes. Um, who I'm teaching CPQ to, by the way, <laughs> me, me and me and Carrie. Carrie's my husband. Me and Carrie now, when we go out on a date, we sit down and we order our food, and he's like, "Okay, explain what a price roll is." And I'm like, "Okay, so a, a price roll." <laughs> and uh, anyway, so that that's exciting too. But but yeah, I mean, it, it just feels really good. And and again, I feel like. Chris, along with the Salesforce discord, along with almost every facet of sale, of the Salesforce ecosystem that I've been in touch with has this underlying driving force of just helping each other, you know, which is something very, very, very unique to the Salesforce ecosystem.
0: So I, I can't let you go to CPQ experts. We don't often have CPQ experts on the podcast. So before I do let you go, just one tip or one piece of advice from each of you. Uh, for anyone that's looking to specialize in CPQ.
1: DM Chris Hickman. No, just kidding.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, I would say
2: put your analyst hat on before your engineer hat, especially where we are right now is kind of an interesting place. It's uh, the, the CPQ world of 2023 is not the CPQ world that Tiffany started in. It's certainly not the one I started in. It's in a very transitory state right now where things haven't really changed very much over a number of years. There's a lot of different things bubbling, you know, in the underside that are going to be big. We just don't know which one of them yet or how that's going to take shape over the next one, two, three years, you know. So the key point is putting on your analyst hat and not necessarily going to the technology first, whether that's CPQ itself or Salesforce itself or clicks versus code. First, understand what your client, whoever your client is, whether you're a consultant or whether you're in uh, an IT department, understand what the problem is and then determine what your options are. You know, it isn't necessarily the most elegant solution, especially in the enterprise space. If you work with very large companies, that's going to be the answer. It, you, it might be buying a new tool. It might be configuring what you have and just keeping an open mind about that because there's no one way to do anything in CPQ or otherwise. And the answer to a question today in CPQ may not be the answer to that question in 12 or
0: 24 months time, I would say. Awesome, and, uh, and Tiff, what would you say?
1: Um, so I would say two pieces of advice. So one thing that I tell my mentees a lot, and this doesn't just apply to CPQ, but it applies to a Salesforce career, is the difference between the people who are doing it and the people who are not doing it is that the people doing it are just doing it. Like they're, it's just as simple as that, you know. So the background to that or kind of the explanation to that is that if you just continue doing it, eventually you're going to be good at it you know, not everybody who gets good at CPQ or gets good at Salesforce is like natively prone or whatever to to technical skills. It's just a matter of continuing to do it and having that persistence. So that definitely applies to CPQ. And, you know, the way that you would continue doing CPQ is by continuing down a line until you have an answer. So instead of just looking at something and going like, oh, that's just like, it doesn't make sense, I don't get it, break it down into small pieces, right? Start at the very beginning, and then if you have a question about that, Google it, look at the actual documentation, then if that still doesn't make sense, go put a question on the Trailblazer community. If that still doesn't make sense, go to the Salesforce Discord, go on the Slack channels. There are so many options in so many places that you can continue being persistent until your question is answered and then move on to the next little baby step. <laughs> you know, and, and one thing I would say about Salesforce CPQ in particular is that not all things that are labeled a certain way actually operate in that way. So that's another thing that I have seen people get hung up on. They go, they look at something and it's called an error condition and they go, okay, well, of course that has something to do with errors. Well, the truth is, is that it doesn't always. And so don't get hung up on that. You have to look at what that thing is actually doing now. So there's a product development process and most likely in the beginning, It was specific to error conditions, but then the use of that object expanded. And so sometimes, again, that hangs people up, but you just have to keep that kind of in the back of your head and go, okay, what does this thing do regardless of what the label is? So that that would be another piece of advice.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you both uh, so much. I've really enjoyed the chat. And yeah, I, I'm not uh, I'm not recommending anyone reaches out now and um, just request mentoring because I know you're both busy. But if anyone does want to contact you and ask, pick your brains, is Discord the best place? Discord and LinkedIn.
1: You can email me though. You, I'll put my personal email out there. It's tdevlindrine at gmail.com. So T-D-E-V-L-I-N d-r-y-e at gmail and I'll I'll respond
0: well thank you both so much absolute pleasure and uh, yeah all the best for, uh, for what's to come in the world of CPQ so that's a wrap for this week's episode and thank you very much for listening I hope you enjoyed the chat and if you did please make sure you have subscribed for future episodes that are coming through I would also be very grateful if you would consider leaving a review on your chosen podcast platform as five star reviews will help us to reach more trailblazers from across the world I look forward to sharing another episode with you soon, and thanks again.